Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. questions because today I like to speak to everybody. I know on these special days uh, sometimes we can uh, maybe just single out like fathers and mothers but I want to talk to everybody today, every person in the room because I think there's something that we all want. I think there's something that we all want and I think there's something that we desire and I think something that if, if we were to all give it uh, the world would be a better place. And what we want and, and what we would give, if we, if we would do that, you, you can't buy it, you can't, uh, you can't demand it, you can't trade for it, and that is respect. I think we all would like a little more respect. If you would like a little more respect in your life, let me just see your hand. Okay, awesome. That's about 95% of us. Uh, we would like a little more respect in our lives. And so this is what I've discovered. In order to be respected, you have to become respectable. Do you agree with that? I mean, there's some people tell me all the time, well, I just don't get any respect. And I look at their life and I'm like, hey, that's not too respectable what you do. You know, so in order to get respect, we have to become a little more respectable. And so today I want to talk to you about that. There's a guy in the Bible, um, Paul, that we've been talking about. He's been writing from a jail cell. And I did all of his background again on the first week of this series. So if you missed it, go back there. But he's talking about two guys. Uh, his name, one guy's name's Timothy uh, that he's going to talk about. And the other guy's name's Epaphroditus. How would you like to be stuck with that name all your life? You know, middle school would be great with Epaphroditus, wouldn't it? But, but anyways, he talks about these guys. And from their life, we see characteristics that make them respectable. And so today, I, th I think that if you will tune in today, I really think that you, we can take that respectability up in your life. I, I think today, if you tune in and I tune in and I listen to, to what we got to say and you listen to what we got to say, I think that we can move from here maybe to here. And that today would be a great day on Father's Day. So let's dive in. So we're going to talk about how to be a respectable person. So the first thing, if you'll write this down in order to do that is this, is number one, is be a person of godly character to be a person of godly character. I want to tell you, first impressions are important. You know, and, and so we would say that a person who is, has a good personality, they can make a great first impression. But first impressions are not what carry you through the long haul of life, and it's not what makes you respectable. It is actually being a person of character. It's never about image, it's always about character. Would you agree with that? And I would ask you something else too, something I've discovered is this, is that godly values, when you live by godly values, it helps you be a person of character. Would you agree with that? I mean, a person, just think of a person that you know that says, okay, I'm going to live by the values of the Bible, and if they really do that, wouldn't you say that person is pretty respectable? It's a respectable person. And so godly characteristics are very, very important. All right, so let's look what the Bible says. Again, this guy Paul's writing. He says this, Philippians 2.22. He says, but you know that Timothy has what? Proved himself. 
proved himself. That's right, he's proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So to prove yourself means to be tested at character, your char character to be tested. And here's one thing I want you to know is this, is that you will never know that you are a person of character until your character is tested. Would you agree with that? Before you really know, you have to be tested. And let me just tell you this, you will be, your character will be tested. And so, matter of fact, the, the thing about character is this, is that it takes you a lifetime to continue to build, but only a moment to lose, right? And so today we say this, this is the way we say it at SEC, you know, you don't know nothing till you've been through something. You agree with that? I mean, you don't, you, and when you're, you've got to be tested first uh, before you actually know. Now, understanding that we're going to be tested and, and our, our character is going to be tested because that's the one thing that, you know, the devil definitely wants to destroy is your character. But I want to share with you some hope that we have today that if you listen, if you're on the other side of Christianity, you're not a Christ follower, I want to invite you in. And for this reason, because we have, as a Christian, you have extra strength in this. So look what the Bible says about Jesus, okay? He says this in Hebrews 4. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on. Jesus, the Son of God. So we're talking about Jesus here. He said, let us hold firmly to the faith we pro profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to what? Let's read that four words. You ready? Sympathize with our weakness. So that means he is able to sympathize with our weakness. And here's why. But we have one who has been tempted in which way? Every way. Let's read the rest of that sentence. You ready? Just as we are yet without sin. So what I want you to know is that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I have been tempted and we did not sin. That means the person that you look at that, that had the temptation that you don't have, that may be gross to you or whatever, that Jesus was actually tempted in that way as well. Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I were tempted or anybody that you know is tempted. Watch this. Now, so like maybe you're tempted, maybe you see someone, you know, driving a, a, a Beamer that you really like and it looks good. And maybe you had the thought go across your mind, you know, they leave it running. Not that any of you would think this way, but just maybe that car, the key's in it, and you think, man, that would be nice to take that thing for a test drive, right? Because we're not stealing it, we're just test driving, right? And so maybe you've had that thought, like, man, it'd be nice, I just could just slide right in that car, you know? So really, probably a lot of us have had thoughts like that. Now, don't you look at me like they like, oh, I never had a thought like that. Oh, you little angel, I'm sorry. But, but all of us have some kind of thought like that. So, you know, maybe, maybe uh, we think about that. You know, that's a temptation for some. Well, so you say, well, how does that relate to Jesus? Because there's no beamers in Jesus' day. Well, no, no, no. But, you know, there were camels. <laughs> maybe Jesus walked by a, a, a nice, I don't know, Mercedes Campbell. I don't know. Maybe you said, hey, that would be nice. I'm walking everywhere, and I could be riding in style, you know, between the humps. <laughs> you just got to have an imagination, see, that's all. But I'm just, so every way, and so the Bible says he was tempted. Now, now here's our hope, okay, so Jesus understands. Listen, there's some things that people are tempted with I don't understand because I'm not tempted with it. 
You see what I'm saying? And there's some things that people, that you know people that are tempted with things that you don't understand because you're not tempted with it. But Jesus understands everybody's temptation. So he goes on to say this. Look. He says, so let, let us then approach the throne of grace with what? With confidence so that we may receive what? Mercy. mercy. What is mercy? You know what mercy is? Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. You don't get it. You deserve it, but you don't get it. Okay? And then they find grace to help us in our, in our time of need. So what is grace? Grace is God's ability to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And many times when we get in tempting situations that it's too big for us, and we're going to have God's help, or we're going we're to destroy our character, we're going to destroy our reputation, and we're going to destroy everything. And so the Bible says that's where Jesus comes in, because he understands the temptation, and he understands how you feel, and he understands where your weakness is, so he can help you. That's why the Bible says this in, in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus actually said this at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Remember, look at this part, he says this. And lead us not into temptation, but, let's read what's underlined, you ready? Deliver us from the evil one. In other words, he's saying there's some things that you're going to face in your life that are going to be so strong, so tempting, that you're not going to be able to handle it. You're, just going, you're going to fall to the, to the wayside unless God supernaturally intervenes. So he says, pray that prayer. And I pray that prayer of my life every day. I mean, like, God, deliver me from the evil one. The plans the devil has, the temptations that are too strong for me, I need you to help me with. And listen. If it were not for Jesus, many of us in this room right here would be in a mess. Many of us would be in jail, wouldn't we? My stepfather and I was with him this week, and I was talking to him. I said, man, you know, this Jesus stuff has helped me. And uh, I'm like, you know, I was just telling him, you know, we were talking about our our family, uh, my mom's side of the family, and we're all a little high-strung. I said, listen, I understand what you're saying. I said, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd been in jail a long time ago. If it wasn't for Jesus, you know, I'd been divorced a long time ago. If it wasn't for Jesus, and I'd just be all trashed out, drugged out, strung out, messed up, jacked up, whacked up, and everything. And so would many of you, if it were not for Jesus, right? And so today, the one edge that I can give you, offer you today, to help you with those temptations is Jesus Christ. Because he does make a difference. And so, listen, you're, you're in a room full of a lot of people that say are witnesses to that fact. So today I want to challenge you. If you, want, if you want help with this issue to be a person of godly character, of good character, and be respectable, then I would challenge you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, there's a prayer inside of our program that I write there every week because people say, I don't know what to pray. That prayer is right there to help you make a connection with God, that you can begin your journey of being respectable with godly character. When you pray that, the only thing we ask you to do is check it on the back of this card right here, our connection card. It says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can pray for you. And many do that every week. So we believe that you're here to do that as well. Okay, number two, you ready? The second thing is this, is be a consistent person. Be consistent. Now, as we dive back into this story here, or, or actually Paul talking about, we see the next character. We've already talked about Timothy, but look what he says. He says, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Ephroditus, all right? My brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longed for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Now, look how ill he was. Look at this, what's underlined. Indeed, he was ill and what? 
almost died. I guess that's sick, right? He almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So, again, Paul is writing this, this group of people in Philippi. It's about 800 miles away. And so they have actually sent this guy, Ephroditus. They, what happened is they heard, he's in, heard Paul was in jail, so they actually got an offering together to take there to actually meet some needs that he had. And so they need to volunteer to take the offering to him. And so Ephroditus volunteered to, to go 800 miles. It would take him six weeks of walking across uh, ter, uh, terrain that would be very difficult to manage. And then on his way there, he caught a disease. I don't know if he maybe stepped on a thorn and, and, and uh, maybe a, something got infected on him. But anyways, he got very, very sick. But in spite of that, he persisted in spite of his pain. So he's very, very consistent. He persisted in spite of his pain. I find that, that there's a lot of people that start stuff. Don't you? A lot of people start stuff, but there's a lot of people that will not finish stuff, right? That's one of the greatest challenges of our time. When, when things get very difficult or a little hard, they quit. I met a guy um, at the gym the other day. I know I don't look like I go to the gym, so listen, quit that judging. I can see right now you're going, you go to the gym? <laughs> yes, I go, all right? I had a little guy over there, right? So anyways, I meet this guy. We go at 6 a.m. in the morning. And so I see this young guy. He's a college student. And, he, you know, he's, he's getting there at 6 a.m. And, and uh, I was like, man, hey, I'm glad to see you this early in the morning. A, a person your age, that's, that's unusual, you know? He said, oh, yeah. I said, I had to figure this out, though. And his name is Randall. And he says, uh, you know, I am in college. But he said, you know, I, uh, I had to figure out how to get here earlier. I said, I said, really? He said, yeah, this is what I had to do. And he just started telling me. He said, you know, I, I set the alarm on my phone. And he said, you know, I found out when my alarm would go off in the morning, I'd just reach over and turn it off. I said, yeah. He said, so that didn't work. I said, oh, he, oh really? He said, no. He said, so then I set myself a math problem. I had to solve a math problem before my alarm would turn off. He said, you know what? I'm... I'm a pretty smart guy. I got a 4.0 average, and again, apparently I can just solve math problems in my sleep. <laughs> I'm like, brother, we're in the wrong room right now. Okay, I, I, have, I cannot relate to that. But uh, he said, so I can solve that math problem. I said, he said, so I had to figure out something else in order to get here. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I had to put a barcode in my phone. I said, what? He said, I had to put a barcode in my phone. He says, so what I've done was I found me a bag of Cheetos. I put the barcode to that Cheetos into my phone, and I put the Cheetos back up in the cabinet where they go. I went to my room, and when my alarm goes off, I cannot shut that alarm off until I go get that bag of Cheetos and scan it. I'm like, whoa. And I thought I was doing something great by putting my alarm into the uh, bathroom, the master bathroom. No, no, no. So this joker's walking through his house. I'm sure his parents appreciate that. He said, you would not imagine how hard it is to scan Cheetos at 5.30 in the morning. I said, brother, I can believe you. You know? And so being consistent. Now, Jesus picked up on this. Look what Jesus said in Luke 16. Jesus said, whoever is what? Faithful. Faithful. Okay, so that's consistency, right? Consistency and faithful go together. And small matters will be faithful in large ones. And whoever is dishonest in small matters will be dishonest in large ones. So now here comes the test of faithfulness and consistency. Look what Jesus said. He says this. 
If then you've, you have not been faithful in handling what? Worldly wealth. How can you be trusted with true wealth? Now, so Jesus has to say, so here's the test. Money is always a test, right? Money is a test between relationships, between, uh, you know, people with relationships, and money is a test between us and God. It's always the test factor. And he said, if you can be faithful, there's some of you right now because somebody stiffed you and somebody cheated you. Somebody, somebody, listen, you loaned money to somebody 10 years ago and you're still ticked off about it and you're still mad at them and bitter because they hadn't paid you back. Let me tell you something. If they hadn't paid you back in 10 years, they're not going to pay you back. So just let it go and move on with life. Amen, Amen Jeff. How does Jeff know? Because Jeff's had to let go. So, you're doing, so listen, some of you right now, you're, you're, you're mad at your fathers. You're not even going to see, you're not going to talk to your father today because of a money issue. Jesus said it's always the test. Be consistent in handling that. And then he goes on, he doesn't stop there. He goes on and say this. Here's another test. Wow. He said, and, and if you have not been, uh, if you have not been faithful with, let's read what's underlined there. Are you ready? What belongs to someone else? Who will give you what belongs to you? And so, you know, are you faithful with the things of other people's stuff? And so I would ask you this question before you say, yes, you're checking the boxes. Yes. Well, do you have anybody's stuff in your garage that you borrowed six months ago? Okay, you're doing pretty good there. I see nobody's moving. So do you have anything in your car that belongs to somebody else? No? Okay. Do you have anything in your pockets or your pocketbook that belongs to somebody else? Oh, you're like, no? Okay, everybody's no. How many of you got an SEC pen in your purse or pocket that belongs to SEC? Okay. There we go. Yes. Yeah, we got you, right? Busted. Listen, you keep, listen, you take the pen and you give it to somebody else, all right? Just, just invite them to church with that pen. What I'm saying, and then listen, here's the other question. Can you be trusted with someone else's reputation? Or do you blast it on social media? Jesus said this. He said, listen, you're faithful. He says, if you've not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what belongs to you? We have to be careful what we say about people on social media or to other people. Maybe someone's told you a secret and that you've been unfaithful with that secret. Be faithful with other people's stuff. The moral of the story is the tortoise always wins. Why? Because he's consistent. And I want to challenge you to be consistent in your life because consistency pays off. You know the problem with consistency? The problem with that is it's boring, right? I mean, like doing the same things over and over, you know, but when we don't understand it, when we do the same things over and over, the, same, the right things over and over again, then all of a sudden we're having this compounding effect happen. It's like investing, you know, if you just keep doing the same things, you keep, keep investing, investing. Over time, uh, the interest compounds, you have this great, you know, amount of money. Well, the same thing with your life. When you do the right things over and over and over again, then guess what? Then all of a sudden your character, your respectability goes up and you become a very respectable person. So here's what I want to tell you. In your spiritual life, are you consistent? You know, it's a, it would look like this. You know, okay, you hear me say, read your Bible, pray, go to church, go to group, give your tithe. Read, 
your Bible. Pray. Go to church. Go to group. Give your tithe. Read the Bible. Pray. Go to church. Go to group. Give your tithe. Read. Pray. You know, go to church. Go to group. Give your tithe. That right there is, is, is just, it's boring stuff. You know, it just sounds boring. But if you do it over time, it changes you. And listen, I'm looking at some of you that I've known a long time, and you're not the same person that I knew years ago and a few years ago. Why? Because you've been doing the boring stuff. And guess what happened? Your life has gotten better. Your family's gotten better. Your marriage has gotten better. Your, your, your confidence has went up. You know, your life has changed. You've gotten better because you've done all the boring stuff, right? Amen. It's, what, it's doing that stuff that makes your life totally different and better. You're stronger today. And that's, that's the goal. So I want to ask you a question here. Where do you need to consistently re-engage? Where do you need to consistently re-engage in your life or in your spiritual life? You know, some of you, some of you need to engage by being baptized. I want to tell you, that's a spiritual step. I would encourage you to do that. If you got baptized, you're a little kid, you know, but, but you're not as an adult, then I would challenge you to get re-baptized. And you can just sign up on the back of our card. There's some of you that, that need to re-engage in groups. Let me tell you why this is so, so passionate to me today. I heard this study this week that this, the rate of suicide is higher now than ever before, and it keeps increasing. And the question by the sociologists and the, and the psychologists is why? And I listened to their answers this week. I listened to them say, and you know what it boils down to? Is that people are so lonely they have no face-to-face -face time with people. It's all behind a computer screen, and that's not fulfilling. It can look great to have 10,000 friends on your Facebook page, but the truth of the matter is that we just disconnect, and the more lonely we get, the more uh, 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 depressed we become. And so I want to tell you, that's why we do what we do. That's why church is important. You need it to live. And you need, you need a group. Why? Because it helps you with all of that. And you get better. Your life gets better. Instead of getting worse and going down, you get better. I want to encourage you. Will you do something for you? Will you sign up for a group this summer? You say, listen, I can't make every week. That's all right. Just make what you can that your life can get better. Okay. So I have a next step for you. Here it is. It says this. It says, I will do my best to be consistent in my spiritual life. Would you check that box so we can pray for you this week? Because it's consistency that, that helps build your respectability in your life. It makes you a better person. Okay, number three, you ready? The third thing is be a courageous person. Be courageous. How many of you heard that song just go through your mind right there, right? Casting ground, be courageous. Okay, nobody but me. All right, that's all right. Daddy must have got on you today because you're all quiet today. <laughs> got to be good for Daddy. Look what he says. Paul goes on talking again. He says here, he says, welcome him, talking about Aphrodite, the guy who almost died, bringing him the offering. Welcome him with Christian love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For, let's read what's underlined. You ready? He risked his life for the work of Christ. Would you just circle the word risk? He was at the point of death while doing for me what you could not do from far away. I want to tell you something. I want to look at you and tell you. Without risk, 
there is no faith. And without faith, there is no risk. Without risk, there is no faith, and without faith, there is no risk. The question that you have to ask is this, or something I want to share with you is this. The moment that you stop risking is the moment that you start dying. That's, that's why when, when people, you know, get to this point in life where they say, okay, well, I'm just going to retire, I'm going to quit doing anything. At that moment, they begin to stop taking risk, and they start dying. Start dying. You see, at that moment, you begin to say, okay, I don't need God for anything else. I've got this handled on my own, and I'm just going to coast the rest of my life. And Jesus warns us against that. Look what Jesus says. Jesus says in Mark 8 and 35, he says this. If you insist on saving your life, let's read what's on the line. You ready? Come on. You will lose it. Only those who give their, away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Okay. I want to talk to you. This is so important, being courageous. I'm going to be honest with you with my story. I've been the pastor here 23 years. And about year number, I don't know, 16 or so, 15, 16, we had moved into this location. This is our fourth location. And I'll be honest with you, I'm sort of, you know, I'm sort of, like our, our church had gone through a lot of struggles, but we were back on our feet and we were doing pretty good. And our church, you know, it was running 400 people, 500 people, something like that. And I felt like, you know what, that, that's pretty good. I'm good with that. Because at, the, at, at some point in your life, you know, finally, it's usually about the age of about 40 that people would start working and then they just start coasting. They, they don't try anything else. They're just ready to just say, I'm going to just plane out right here. And I hate to admit that to you, but as I look back now, I've sort of gotten there. And so one day, there was a guy that came to our church. His name's Amato. If you don't know him, he's sort of a big guy. He would come to our church, and somebody told me about him and said, hey, this is a good guy. He's a you know, good leader. And uh, so I thought I'd just carry him to lunch and just check him out, you know. And so I took him to lunch, and I sat there, and, and I, we, you know, I talked. He didn't say anything. She's just looking at me like this. And so I said, hey, well, I heard, you know, just heard you, great guy. And finally, after I shut up, we finished our movie. He said, I, want, I got a question for you, Pastor. I said, yes, sir. He said, um, what, what's, your, what's your vision? I'm like, well, you know, my vision is that God saved people, you know, and the church grows and whatever. He said, no, 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 no. I, I want to know what, what is it that's in your heart? What is God's vision? And, he, and I, I, I tried to give him the same answer, and he just sort of just leaned in toward me. You know, I don't know this man that well. He leans in toward me. I'm like, hey, you threatening me? I'm going to tell you something. You're a big man, but I can kick you and run. Get out of here. So he leans in, and I mean, and I said, he said, no, Pastor. I mean, what is your vision? I said, well, I'll tell you what my vision is. You want to know? You ready for this? You handle this? He said, yes, sir, I'm ready. And so I said, well, I'll tell you what, God put them on that, you know, one day our church will be 10,000 people. You know what? And one day we'll have a building that seats 1,000 people. And one day, one day we're going to have eight other, low, eight other campus sites. That one day we're going to have over 550 connect groups. One day we're going to have all this stuff. And then while I'm talking, I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, I just make sure he hears me. I want you to know I got a vision. I got a vision. Don't you tell me I got a vision. I got a vision. 
He's over there writing it down. He's got a napkin over there writing this stuff down. And so after, afterwards, he said, well, I want to know something. He said, I've been to your church for about, you know, about six months. I hadn't heard you say anything about this. I'm like, man, I don't even know if this guy's saved or not. I mean, you're talking to me. You know who you're talking to here? I mean, he got me mad. I said, well, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. So I, I guess you had not been listening. No, I've been, I've been listening. And he turned that napkin around and said, said, why don't you ever talk about this? I said a motto because it would scare people to death. And the truth of the matter was, it scared me to death. Because who am I? Who am I? And he turned that napkin around. He said, Pastor, I want to ask you one question. I said, go ahead. I mean, you've already insulted me. Go ahead. He said, how big is your God? He said, I hear you get up there every week. You talk about this God that can put marriages back together. You talk about this God that can heal finances. You talk about this God that's parted seas. You've talked about all this stuff. But you're sitting right here today in front of me and telling me your God can't do this? Is that what you're telling me? Because I'm checking out. I'm like, no, I'm not telling you that. God can do that. I'm not sure I can. He said, Pastor, I'm telling you, if God put that in your heart and he's as big as you say it, he's as real as you say it, then why are we charging this? Why are you doing this? You know what? I said, you're right. And I wrestled over that and I wrestled over it for about two years. And, and finally, you know, I come to about my 20-year reunion here, our anniversary of the pastor here. And I was like, okay, God, I'm done fighting you. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Because I was scared. You know why? Because when you take risks with God, it's scary. Trusting God is scary at times, right? I mean, isn't it for you? I mean, doesn't, doesn't it scare you sometimes? I mean, sometimes I, I don't sleep at night because I'm thinking about all this stuff and, and about the stress of it. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't think I can handle the stress of God of a thousand people. I don't think I can handle the stress of another building program. God, I don't know that I can do I can't do this, God. God said this, I'm glad you finally got there because I don't need you to do it all. I want to work through you. And today, you know what? Our church is almost a thousand people. We're going to see the thousand when we get done. Why? Because I took the risk God said take. I took the risk. I took the risk. And it's scary right now. I'm scared to death. I don't know. I don't know. Where's it going to end? I don't know. It's stressful. But all I know that God's in charge. And what God put in you, what he put in you, he wants to do. You've got to be courageous. And I'm, I'm asking you, what has God put in you? What have, what have you checked out of as, as a little boy, as a teenager, you know, as, as a young man, a young woman, you know, right now, what has God put in you that you just checked out of? And you said, not me, who am I? Who am I? Listen, this next generation needs to see men that are willing to man up and say, God, I'll take the risk. It needs to see women that are women up and say, woman up. I get that right. Woman up and say, God, I'll do it. He needs teenagers that'll teenage up and say, I'll do it, God. I'll go. Let's do it. Got to take risk. So my question is for you: Is where did you check out on God at? Where did your God become small? 
Mine had become very small because I was scared. I'd been through building programs and it hurts. I've been through people that's walked out on me and it hurts. I've been up, stood up in front of people and made a fool out of myself and it hurts. But God, what he's put in you, he wants to bring out of you. Now listen to him, I don't talk to you. When God put in my heart for this vision for this church, he didn't just put it on me, he put it on you too. There's some of you in this room that God has gifted you to make money. You know how to make money. And God wants you, listen, you need to make money and give it so that we can continue to do the mission. There's some of you in this room that God's called you to be leaders. He's called you to be in full-time ministry, to, to lead in a church and be a leader. You say, well, Jeff, I can't preach. That's all right. Don't worry about it. I'll do that. We do these other campuses. We'll put up a video screen. I'll pop up and I'll come in. I'll just preach to everybody. And then you lead them. God's done it to some of you. Today he's calling it out of you. Take risk. Here's my question. Will you live until you die? Or have you already died and you're just existing? One thing that would determine that is, are you willing to take risks with God? That's the question. Will, will, you, will, will you, will you, will you, will you, will you take risks for God and with God? Or are you saying, I'm done and you really have died and you're just existing until you leave this world? Will you do it? Would you stand with me and let me pray for you? question the question again listen how big is your God hi this is Pastor Jeff again I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message if you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church simply go to our website at secview.net again that's secview.net and click the give tab we want to thank you again for being with us today God bless you. Have a wonderful day.